The content of this episode is a product of the NATO Command and Control Center of Excellence. The views and ideas presented do not necessarily represent the opinions or policies of NATO and is only reflective of the independent perspective of the NATO Command and Control Center of Excellence. The content presented is not classified and therefore is releasable via open source means. And then you should be a leader of your own package and, and step forward. So that's where we don't need you to be a manager. We need you to be a leader. Welcome everyone to the C2 and Beyond podcast presented by the NATO Command and Control Center of Excellence. I'm your host today, Lieutenant Colonel Miguel Gonzalez, and I have the pleasure to share this time today with Colonel Robert Mewson, who is the director of the NATO Command and Control Center of Excellence. Robert, welcome. Thank you, Miguel. Okay. Before we get into the topic that we discussed today, Robert, can you please Briefly introduce yourself to the audience, some background information about yourself. Okay, uh, Miguel, I'm a uh, Dutch colonel from the army. I served in uh, multiple positions uh, during uh, the, the last 35 years. I have a technical background, but I, I did some work in, in logistics, but also in operations within the Netherlands, but also on missions uh, for NATO, with NATO. Well, I think that's, that's quite a, uh, a broad career. That brought me here since 2018. After two years on in this spot, I, I really like the, the work that's done here. And uh, the content is really interesting. And that's why I think we should share it. And that's why we're doing, uh, we are having this conversation. And one of the most relevant projects that this Center of Excellence has recently developed has been the multi-domain operations C2 demonstrator. Could you please briefly explain what this platform is about? Yes. First, I will give you the reason why. When I arrived here, I started with a seminar in Berlin talking about military decision-making, which is on itself is already interesting, but also the development and uh, future changes. And the seminar was based around a study that was called the future of the command post. So and not the question, how does the future command post, post look like? more rudimentary, will there be a command post in the future, in, in the worst case, maybe? Um, and the outcomes led to two studies uh, that showed us, on the one hand, the opportunities that technology gives us at the moment already, so not that much future, because it's already adapted in civil society, for example. And the other study was about uh, the role of the human within this technology-driven uh, military decision-making opportunities palette. These two together uh, were a really good combination uh, that uh, caused the demonstrator project to start because you could have chosen to elaborate more on these two studies or pick out one or two subtopics or make a demonstrator uh, which makes it uh, more efficient to get feedback on because a demonstration where you are in is more convincing than a very thick, thorough report that you have to read uh, completely. So seeing is believing was one of the drivers to come up with a demonstrator. So that's the modus demonstrator. And the topic was uh, military decision making. And the near future is, of course, about multi-domain operations. Single domain, linear warfighting is, is a kind of passe. 
everybody's talking about hybrid and whatever, and we embrace the term multi-domain operations because that's what it is. It's interaction between domains, being active in these domains, sensor-wise, effector-wise, uh, decision-wise. Yeah, actually, but one question that some of the audience may be asking at this point is, why multi-domain? What does this platform, uh, what allows this platform, uh, a platform like this to, to be a multi-domain C2 tool? Being in a situation um, has, has a couple of pros and cons. The, one of the pros is that you can use your brain in a different way. It's, it's like orientation in your house. If you think, uh, where are my car keys? You know, they are on the left side on the table most of the times, and that's where you start looking. Uh, that's that's a easier way to find things and information as that we do in a computer, for example, with portfolios and 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 files and versions. That that's one part of it. Uh, the second part of it is that uh, multi-domain operations is not only the sum of all domains; it's also the interaction possibilities between domains. So that's a really step up in complexity. Uh, which we can't comprehend as a human in one person, I think, but at least as a a good way to handle it is doing it in, in virtual reality, uh, being supported by virtual reality and algorithms that help you sort and select information that you need for your task. These two reasons were important enough at the start already to, to do it in this way. And now that we have already understood the, re understood the reasons behind in the development of this of this demonstrator, and that we have already understood the name multi-domain operations C2 demonstrator. What are the crucial elements of this of this platform, of this demonstrator? Which are the main, the most important elements of this platform? Yeah, I I think there are two groups of elements that are important in in their own way. Uh, one is how the demonstrator uh, looks and feels, etc. So uh, we used technology from the gaming industry. Uh, not only to build in functionality, but also to, for example, don't get uh, disorientated or sick if you are moving around with VR goggles. So we used what was already available to make a demonstrator. The second one, uh, because it's a demonstrator and it's not a tool, so it's not complete. So we made a selection of one, maybe two steps from the military decision process as we know it, because people have to recognize what we are showing them. Uh, that builds trust, we found out in our studies. So that was the the uh, the, the part of the second group of uh, things that should be uh, in the demonstrator. And for ourselves, we saw it as a uh, multi-domain operations thing. So there is no room for stove-piped information uh, volumes that don't interact. So we, we built an open platform without uh, industry standards that would limit the number or the types of plugins. So it's really open because then it's interoperable by design. And that's what we were looking at for at least. And that's mm -hmm. something that we read in NATO documents that it's something to strive for. So that we, that's something that we did by design. Yeah, and you mentioned that you were using for the, demonstra for the demonstrator, you were using some gaming technology. Do we need any previous training to, to use or to yeah to use this demonstrator to, to use these kind of platforms or that's where we looked to uh, the civil industry and our own experiences outside of the uh, uh, defense forces 
a new mobile telephone doesn't come with a extensive manual uh, and course it's intuitive and that's what we wanted too if you put the goggles on well there's not that much of a course needed because in the demonstration after one minute of explanation people can handle the demonstrator themselves because it's mm -hmm. based on a one finger well kind of a trigger finger movement uh, that you need to switch between the elements of what you see so it's quite easy in a, a first try we had a multiple button approach uh, that was used very well by uh, Air Force pilots, uh, but for other categories, it was more hard to, to handle. And that's where the gaming industry helped us uh, with, uh, with this one. And it's kind of a lightsaber with a single finger switch that uh, leads you through the demonstration. And this, the, this kind of demonstrator, the aim of this demonstrator is to be used in the end by the operational uh, compost or, or in any NATO headquarters in the future for the future warfare. In your own words, what does this multi-domain operation C2 demonstrator serve to do for the intended, intended audience? So I mean, for example, NATO command structure, command post, or NATO forest structure headquarters, those who can achieve the, the role of the personal level as JTF headquarters. It should be helpful in a couple of ways. And the most important one is to show the operators what can be done with technology of now so that they know where to ask for. Uh, so it's helping them with formalizing or formulating the requirements more clear for a contract contractor or for NCIA, for example, so that they get what they ask for and not an interpretation of technologists within these organizations that come up with what they think are better solutions, but what they didn't ask for. So it's being very specific about uh, requirements and, and show them what is possible. I think if we uh, reach that, that's, that's a big gain. That's a big gain. And, and seeing is believing. So if we show it in a demonstrator, they do believe that it's possible in a production tool uh, to be used within the military decision-making. Yeah. And are there other organizations uh, within or outside NATO that are also examining C2 in the same way that the multi-domain operation C2 demonstrator is doing? Uh, not that much. We do see some solutions from industry uh, which are in a stovepipe and also used by NATO with a uh, VR extent. But yeah, that's, that's not the integrated interoperable thing that we have in mind. Uh, on the other hand, because we have an open platform, it's really easy to plug in the solutions that are already there. We, we do, we do uh, acknowledge that there are fine solutions in certain parts of the organization. We only have to put them together in one platform to come up with good decision making. And that's what we facilitate in the design of uh, the demonstrator. So I assume being an open platform is one of the differences between our demonstrator and others. others. Uh, solutions yes, for another if, organization, if you, right? If you call your solution an open an open platform, but you uh, use a couple of standards of which you are the owner, then that's not a real open platform. And I know there are economic reasons to do so and to uh, to keep your company alive. So I do understand why. Uh, in the end, uh, this won't uh, deliver a, a interoperable system. And if, if one of the targets is to speed up military decision-making, it doesn't help. So uh, it becomes more complex. We should be faster, so be an open platform. Yeah, one additional point that I, I would like to add at this point is that 
we are using with this platform, we are using a modular design system of systems approach where we can integrate some other solutions or applications yes. with them, right? Yes, we, we wanted to prove that. So we went for the situational awareness brief as the part of the military decision-making that, that we wanted to show. And we used the, um, the Hague Center for Strategic Studies and their risk monitor as a plugin, uh, which uses validated open source information to come up with uh, risk analysis on the level of a district worldwide uh, based on uh, new sources like Reuters, etc. So not dirty open source because that can be influenced very easy. And we just proved that such a uh, subsystem could be plugged in really easy because it works via open standards like HTML, etc. The other hand, the, the, the other plugin we use is a PowerPoint that can still be filled by staff officers to inform the commander about certain things. And it's on the wall on the left. It will be always on the wall on the left. So the commander will know if I click on the wall on the left, the presentation of my staff officers will come in front of me. I will kind of have a look at it. And that, that really makes things easy mm -hmm. and, and faster, I think. Yeah. So they feel familiar with the environment as soon as yes. they sit down yes. and use the platform. Yep. And what about the information that is presented to the commander via this platform? Is the information is presented and is on demand, right? Yes, it, it is by design and on demand. We use information in an order that people will recognize from the briefings they get nowadays by a battle captain or a battle major or uh, who talks him through uh, the changes. That's, that's for the trust part. You can discuss if, if that is the right order in the near future, in a new given situation, in a multi-domain setting, but that's already a bridge too far. Uh, you should keep contact with the uh, situation uh, as it is now, as a departure point. So uh, we just wanted to prove that what they do now can be put within such a system, uh, even enhance uh, the quality and create the opportunity to have interoperability by design. And I think that we uh, succeeded. And what has been the response from those who have already been have the chance already to 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 see to 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 be demo uh, with this demonstrator with this platform? Yes, we we started the roadshow at the same moment, approximately when uh, COVID restrictions kicked in. And although these restrictions, we managed to put a lot of people uh, through the demonstration. We pointed at senior leadership, but also a lot of accompanying staff officers were in, in our demonstration. And the thing from the first day, uh, demonstration on was that everybody sees a additional or other solution in their own environment. So people came up with ideas. This could be the ideal single decision maker wargaming solution, or this could be the optimal staff trainer. This could be a part of an interactive e-learning uh, that's we we wrote all these ideas mm -hmm. down yeah. because our task is to improve c2 and well potential follow-ups on this that are not about uh, c2 we should shift it to one of our colleagues c2s like the modeling and simulation coe and and that's that's how we handle it but what we got enthusiasm which for me proves that we're on the right track and secondary we, we were bombarded with ideas. So there's no lack of ideas. Yeah, and you mentioned you mentioned already the COVID restrictions due to the COVID pandemic that we are living nowadays. 
Do you think that this COVID pandemic, these COVID restrictions help to to some kind of extent to to for the people to understand exactly what this platform can help them during the decision making process or yes the um, pandemic had a couple of effects and i think merely beneficial on first sight you think well that hampers the operation because you can't do your physical roadshow travel to naples and and show it there that's that's true but on the other hand the formal status in nato is is that the hqs on the operational level are co-located and stay co-located within their bunker during their work but these people feel that uh, a single location is maybe not the best solution uh, threat-wise and, and vulnerability-wise. So they are thinking, and not only thinking, but preparing for a more distributed command post structure uh, where you need the means to do so. That was helped by, by the pandemic because people started working from home and needed to coordinate via means. And yes, Civil, uh, civilian solutions like MS Teams and Google Meet, etc., are used, a go-to meeting, uh, which has a couple of implications. Also, when it's operational information that you don't want to share via these channels. And if you then look at the demonstrator, it has the functionality to share and the security layer uh, can be added so you can work as you are used to, even from home or from a dispersed setting as a HQ. And that's where uh, COVID helped because it's getting more normal to be distributed and dispersed. And then from those who have already had the chance to, to experience this demonstrator platform, what do they really appreciate from this platform that other platforms or other solutions are not providing? I think it's the, the first, the neutrality. We are not an industry partner. We are not an ICT firm. We're just a, a knowledge center that, that asked some gaming guys to build a, uh, a demonstrator. So we are, in that sense, neutral into, uh, into the, uh, the demonstrator as it is. They are glad to see and feel functionality, not having a presentation on it, but just be in the situation. They do like the, uh, uh, the potential that it has for their solutions that they come up with, so their ideas. But they, they keep on being, how do you call it, they're not sure that this will change military decision-making on the very short term because the routines within military organizations that need robustness and robust outcomes are, are really strong. To change them, you need either a, a disaster or you need a, a very strong story uh, with a lot of weight from senior leadership. And does the multi-domain operations to demonstrator reveal any inherent flaws with the current C2 structure or battle rhythm, operational battle rhythm? Yes, I think so. It's, it's again, uh, keeping in touch with the situation of now. People have the feeling that if in a situational awareness brief you present information of 14 hours old, it's not a situational awareness briefing. It was the awareness briefing of yesterday. They are used outside of their organizations to information that is really current, so, and then they go to work and see information that's 14 hours old. So they feel that there can be uh, an improvement and that's what we show them. So yes, that, that will cause something with the people that were in the demonstrator. And I think that's, that's also one of the first steps to do is to look at the decision-making process as is, to be recognizable and keep being recognizable 
and maybe improve a couple of the steps within mm -hmm. uh, decision making yeah. <clears throat> before redesigning a complete uh, decision making process because uh, then you are fighting the routines and that's a hard battle. Yeah, how do we as NATO are able to rectify these issues that we have identified? Do you think that is going to be easy and how we can do that? I think, and that's also the outcome of one of the studies, of course, is that this kind of technology has a high acceptance in all generations in a supporting role. Using this technology won't be a problem as long as it proves to be robust so people can trust. To take over a part of the decision-making, that's, again, a bridge too far because that's where the art comes in of military decision-making yeah. and that won't be accepted. So, mm -hmm. well, in your plan, don't go that way because then you create your own resistance again and it's not said that the system can take that over uh, on beforehand. But in a supporting role, uh, an even evolved role with algorithms, etc., and and analyzing uh, data or even big data, there are more than enough possibilities to improve the current uh, military decision-making process. So let's let's go for that route then. Yeah, and going back to the multi-domain operation C2 demonstrator platform, what would it take for a concept like this or for a platform like this to, to be implemented for an operational headquarters? Yeah, that's, that's where we are very practical by nature. We help the operators by showing them what is possible. Then they start thinking and formulating of what they actually want and need and they have seen the proof that it can be done. They go with that requirement into the NATO structure. And that's how NATO works. It's, it's requirement-based. So as long as there's no requirements, there's no change. So helping with the requirement, uh, then in the end, NCIA, as the main contractor internally for NATO on, on this kind of, of tooling, will have a, a better requirement as usual will keep the operators nearby in building such a solution. And in the end, they will end up with a open platform built by NCIA, secure enough, not only functionality, but also secure enough mm -hmm. to use in their daily work. That's the very brief description of this trajectory within NATO that will take, I think, at least uh, two years. Yeah, but something... In relation with that, something that we cannot rule out is that NATO procurement, it takes some years to, to, to put something, some concept in place and to distribute this concept or this platform to, to the headquarters. So it's something that we should bear in mind when developing a platform like this. And we, we should take into account as well that the information of the applications that we are using as of today, probably in 10 years time, are out of date. Out of date. So... But the good thing of this demonstrator is that we can plug in with a new add-in, if necessary. Yes, that's, that's the open structure. It's not only very friendly uh, towards the current uh, plugins that we can get from the, the stovepipes, uh, if you want to call them that way, but it's all also um, that if there's a new plugin, which is a better one, agreed upon by the operators, by the way, uh, then you can replace a plugin. So it will be a live system of systems that will change during time. Yeah, that, that will need some work from NCIA in the uh, exploitation phase yeah. of the uh, mm -hmm. system, uh, but that's how it normally works. So, Okay, looking forward, the multi-domain operations C2 platform, what information observed from the multi-domain operations C2 demonstrator do you see being relevant to be analyzed 
and potentially developed by NATO in order to enable the commander's decision-making process in the future. The use of an open platform, the ability to use plugins either from current solutions or new ones, also the part where we use commander's critical information requirements and give them an update on the status of that. That's a similarity with Anticip, for example, uh, the STO project that's going on and, and that will be tested in December in, uh, in Naples. I think that's really interesting because it makes it really clear for a commander where to put his attention to. Um, so these are aspects of the demonstrator, not as a whole, but things that we found out were really valuable to the uh, decision maker. Yeah, and moving to the decision-making process itself, you are aware, of course, that a future challenge that the, within the alliance, the alliance lies within the C2 capacity to enable decision-making in, in, in a complex environment in a timely manner. What are some of the biggest questions that you look to see explore and answer with regards to decision-making? Yes, if I look uh, not only from the results of the demonstrator, but also as a point of uh, or a part of my situational awareness. We, we do work a lot with the Joint Warfare Center and uh, the lessons learned uh, or lessons identified they get from the training audiences. We read through them and we try to understand them and try to bundle them up, up to a couple of topics. And Joint Warfare Center did the same, came up with big rocks, a kind of a top 10 of things to improve. That's, for example, where synchronization came in. And synchronization asks for interoperability. Interoperability is not only a technical thing. It's also the interoperability of persons, so of speech, of way of working, so routines and processes. And the operational level where we look upon, there are some joint HQs and non-joint HQs. And people that work there uh, can meet each other in a HQ for a certain mission, so for NRF, etc. And if you use a different set of routines within HQ A than HQ B, then they need to adapt. I think if you work in a way that we do with, for example, the demonstrator, this will force a kind of a uniformity that will create interoperability on these HQs. I think I would like that if I was put into a strange HQ, but then recognized the procedures. Every HQ uh, has a battle rhythm, and in the basis, they use the, the handbook of Joint Warfare Center. But as a starting point, because after that, they start writing SOPs, SOIs, et cetera, et cetera, yeah. and deviate. If you have multi-role HQs in your command structure, it would be nice if there was a bit of a recognition uh, based on maybe uniformity, but at least on interoperability. Yeah, and will it be possible or will, will it be feasible to make substantial changes to the NATO's decision-making process, given that sometimes changing something within NATO is not that easy because of bureaucracy or just trying to put together all 30 member nations into something? Do you think that is going to be easy to change something as for the decision-making process or significant changes of the decision-making process? Yeah, if you look for quick changes within NATO uh, on a certain scale and examples, there's either a very good reason, so an incident, for example, uh, that, that overrules bureaucracy because bureaucracy is there to 
be sure that the solutions that we will have will be robust. And the political side of that, the equivalent, is that everybody agrees on this because it's, it's an alliance. So we have to agree on what we do and how we do it. If you look into NATO and uh, changes that were uh, faster than we expected, uh, there was always a good reason to create a kind of a sense of urgency. And if that's absent, then bureaucracy takes over and, and guarantees that the, uh, the solutions are robust, but they are not that quick because there's always the political alliance side that tells us that everybody should agree, or at least a serious coalition of the willing. So quick changes are hard, except if there is a very good reason. And a conflict is a very good reason. On a macro level, if you look at what happened in Crimea, that did change something. And uh, as a result, there is EFP, for example. So if the pressure is high enough, then bureaucracy will step aside and then practicality will come in, uh, but for a reason. Uh, another reason is that there is no alternative on a smaller scale in, for example, standardization of data, which mm -hmm. is quite important because you want to do things with data. If national systems are getting too old, you can't postpone decisions anymore on your computer systems or data formats, etc. And then countries will decide earlier than a NATO project is finished on that which could put the other countries in the position to follow these national choices and, and speed up. The way that we do it, for example, in FMN, in working in short development strands instead of waiting for a big set of decisions at the end of a process, is also an improvement there. Uh, but it all starts with an urgency, and, and the urgency that puts the most weight in the scales if, is if the senior leadership of the operational level or even tactical level in missions uh, come up with a requirement that is uh, realistic and there's no reason to postpone. Bear in mind the evolution of warfare and given your own experience as commanding officer, in this case as director of the NATO Command and Control Center of Excellence, where do you ideally see the NATO decision-making going? Yeah, I hope, I do hope... Uh, that we get into the multi-domain operations on a level that's much deeper as, as it looks now. We do not know the uh, cross-domain mechanisms. Mm -hmm. uh, what happens if I use cyber to take out an energy plant? Because this can cause, for example, uh, refugees on the roads, so your lines of communications will be blocked by refugees, so the, this kind of mechanism, so that you have a, a basis of making your choices in, in a multi-domain setting, which is the real world. The real world isn't only about air, sea, and space. Uh, yes, there is cyber. Uh, there are maybe even more domains than, than NATO defines. You have to. Uh, so that's, that's what I hope. And do you think NATO is already headed in the right direction? In the right direction, yes. is headed in yes. this direction. Um, there is hope to be found in the uh, NATO warfighting capstone concept, for example, of ACT, which describes this multi-domain thing already. So it's it's recognized, it's there, and in DDA, uh, the counterpart from the uh, ACO, Allied Command Operations, does the same. These two documents are aligned, and they are both aligned with the NATO uh, strategy. 
So in the basis, there's a good starting position and there's no reason not to start. And personally, how much of the decision-making process is guided by, by process and procedures versus commanding officers' own experience? That's, that's a, uh, a question that brings up uh, uh, two thoughts. Uh, one is the obvious uh, one about does a format force you to a limited set of information as, as a reaction? On the other hand, if there are procedures, you, you have a, a division in two roles. One is people should be a kind of a manager who is interested in optimizing uh, the status quo, so as it is with the current routines and, and etc., and do not change it except for uh, optimizing it. But there's also uh, being a leader uh, which will uh, accommodate change. And that, that's where uh, it becomes interesting. Uh, people within NATO, uh, not only senior leaders, uh, but also branch heads and even staff officers should decide should I behave like a manager and fill the format? Or do I think that's something more important that doesn't fit into the format, but that should be brought into the, uh, the situational awareness brief, for example. And then you should be a, a leader of your own package and, and step forward. So that's where we don't need you to be a manager. We need you to be a leader. I'm thinking about the decision-making process and considering the evolution of technology, we are fully aware and fully agree that technology will be implemented in decision-making process. But human aspect will be an issue because finally the decision is commander's decision is a human decision. On, on every decision is a commander's decision, his decision. So we need to build trust. We need to build trust on what technology is assessing to the commander or to the staff. How do we build this trust in order to enable this decision-making process with technology? supporting well it's 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 kind of a sliding scale depending on the age of who you are the older generations are convinced that you need to work together physically in the same location to earn trust to prove that you are trustworthy so that enables you to work in a distance so dislocated or dispersed the younger generation if you look uh, at them how they behave on the internet and having a kind of a basic trust in whatever they get in an app or uh, that's amazingly high. And that's mainly because you don't have a feelable or visible misuse of that information or behavior, except when you make certain pictures, maybe I think. But that's, that's, that's the basis. Um, we tend to think that we need to co-locate and work in a, in a physical environment together to earn trust and then be able to work dispersed. I, I, tend to believe that, but I also I'm very curious to a study that would prove that younger generations that are more used to these tools uh, can do the same without having a, a long period in, in working together. And you mentioned already working dispersed. We are heading probably to a future in which common posts or headquarters are working dispersed. We have already experienced during this COVID pandemic somehow working dispersed. How do you how do you think uh, what do you think about human aspect in working dispersed? So how is it going to be affecting the the final decision or to the decision making process itself by working dispersed? Yeah, where would I put my money in in change for NATO at this moment? And that's I think 
a transition of all our exercises to at least a multi-domain setting. Let's let's be practical. Uh, one side is make the exercises really multi-domain because that will enforce them to uh, start developing these capacities to handle it in the military decision making. And secondly, this will start a, a thinking process about capability development. Okay, bearing in mind the COVID-19 pandemic that we are used already to, to work this first and that in the near future we will the personal command post or the NATO command post will be working somehow dispersed. Do you think that is an issue within, from the human perspective to be working in the dispersed decision-making? Yeah, a, a human is a highly adaptable uh, creature. So that's where my trust in a solution start. The second one is that uh, COVID gave us the opportunity to get used to it and to find out where for example, supporting technology hampered or where physical routines didn't fit really in this virtual setting. So um, as we found out in our studies, the acceptance of technology uh, is high, mm -hmm. but it will disappear immediately when it's not robust. So it doesn't meet expectations based on trust. And that's, I think, the, uh, the sum up. It's, it's not uh, about generations, the, this adaptability, although... Uh, younger generations seem to have a higher start level of trust to use technology than the older generations. Okay, so there's some work to be done for the older generations. That's fine. What would be the NATO's most likely course of action to be ready for tomorrow's warfare? Well, first, I think the start already has been made. That would have been not that good if, if they, they wouldn't have started yet uh, because they were advised to start at these topics uh, not only by COEs but also on national levels and by incidents of the uh, uh, past years. So terms as hybrid warfare etc show that NATO is already thinking and acting in that way. Supported now by the three documents I mentioned, the NATO Warfighting Capstone concept, DDA and the NATO strategy which are coherent and as a basis, a very good departure point to, uh, to improve uh, in that way. The question how to do that is, I think, a, a really logical one for military organization is by introducing it seriously in exercises. So exercises for HQs should be multi-domain, which is different from joint, because multi-domain is about domain and joint is about actors, so parties, people. So every scenario should be multi-domain so that HQs feel the urge to get equipped on all these domains. The second one is that a new technology that can be used in these domains it can also be introduced very fast in an experimental way in the red teaming. So then A, you will learn if it works and B, HQs see opponents with technology that is quite realistic to the opponents we think we have and get used to that kind of force. I, I really look forward to these changes and by using our traditional way of learning is learning by doing in exercises, we can speed that up. Robert, thank you very much for your time. I think it has been really interesting for everyone. For more information about the topic that we have discussed today or about any other topic related to command and control, you can visit the c2coe.org website or any of our social media platforms. Thank you very much for your time and have a good day.